0: Welcome to the Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm St. John Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. And this week we're talking about Rossini's La Cenerentola, Eric, which debuted in Rome in uh, 1817. Yeah. One of the great Rossini comedies. This
1: is just, yeah, it's one of the, the the three big Rossini comedies. You've got The Barber of Seville, you've got Cenerentola, and then, of course, L'Italiani in Algeri, and they're all... Just they're wonderful. They're, they're just they're screwy. They're screwball comedies of the highest order, and they're screwball comedies that are enlivened by Rossini's genius for creating oh just really zany madcap music that that fits the subject matter perfectly, uh, while giving the singers the chance to really show their stuff. I mean this is bel canto style to the nth degree. You really better know your your stuff. You better have rock solid a rock-solid technique, flawless execution and, and pitch and tonality and uh, dynamic range and the ability to do florid vocal runs and trills and every trick in the, sing- in the singer's, you know, handbag.
0: La Cenerentola is basically, it's a story of Cinderella.
1: Yeah, without the glass slipper and the magic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but we do have some of the other elements. We've got... The uh stepfather, we've got the stepsisters yeah. and we've got the prince. Right. And Cenerentola is being treated as a servant by her stepfather and her stepsisters. The stepsisters are Clarinda and Tisbe. And then Don Manifico is the stepfather. Right. And they are an impoverished noble family.
1: Yeah. And kind of uh, comedically nasty. <laughs> I mean they're they're the the step sisters are constantly bickering and preening and they're very funny. And Don Magnifico is uh he's uh, he's sort of a legend in his own
0: mind. His <laughs> <laughs> own lunchtime. Yeah, pretty much. Act one, we have this scene where Clarinda and Tisbe are up to their usual tricks. Cenerentola is there, they are ordering her around. And a beggar shows up, mm-hmm. asking for uh, food and drink. Right. The sisters have
1: want nothing to do with them, but Cenerentola welcomes him in and gives him some food and uh, and
0: some kindness, basically. And of course, we see there automatically, immediately, the distinction between the kind-hearted Cenerentola and the evil stepsisters, shallow,
1: bickering, nasty little
0: stepsisters. <laughs> yes on the heels of the beggar of course the beggar is not really a beggar no he's not he's he's
1: alidoro he is a philosopher but he's basically he's i mean he's basically cinderella's you know fairy stepfather in a sense i mean he doesn't he's, he's got a little bit of magic that he works here and there but he's not you know he's not uh, supernatural per se but he has taken an interest in her and he's looking out for her
0: And he is closely associated with the prince of the realm. Yeah. The prince is Don Ramiro, and Alidoro is sort of his tutor. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And Dandini is his valet. But when we meet them, they're in disguise, one as the other. Dandini, the valet, is pretending to be the prince, and Don Ramiro, the actual prince, is is pretending to be the valet.
0: Because the prince is looking for a wife. Yes. And he wants to throw this ball and invite all the eligible young ladies. But But. he doesn't want the ladies to be swayed by his social position, which is why they change costume. Yeah. So he comes as Dandini, Dandini as the prince. And Alidoro is sort of there to scout out the potential Women to invite. Okay. And of course, you know, Genarentola has already made a good impression on him. As he is there, disguised as the beggar, the prince's retinue arrives, and they make the announcement that the prince is coming, that he's going to be looking for the most beautiful girl in the land to be his bride. And of course, Clorinda and Tisbe are Beside themselves. Yes, practically imploding with excitement. And Domenifico is also beside himself because he sees that if one of his daughters can marry the prince, then the family's financial woes will be cured. Isn't that always the way? <laughs> <laughs> so the prince and his retinue show up to make the announcement... Hey, I'm having this ball. You guys are invited. And he sees Cenerentola.
1: And she, him, and they fall quite in love with one another. But she thinks that she's falling in love with the prince's valet. Dandini. When, in fact, she's falling in love with the prince himself. So she is begging the baron at that point, Don Magnifico, to allow her to go to the ball because she wants to go with, with her sisters. And he's... Basically, not having any of it, they basically tell the prince that the, there are only two daughters. That the Cinderella is just a servant; she's not to be.
0: They actually say that, that that she is no longer alive, the third daughter, because the prince has the the census mm. and he asks about the third daughter, and Manifico says, "Well, she's she's dead," <laughs> and, and this person here is our servant. Right? What a charmer! <laughs> <laughs> uh. So. With this princely retinue, Dandini slash the prince. The prince slash Dandini because they've dressed as each other. Are y'all following us here? (laughs) Clorinda and Tisbe are just beside themselves, sucking up to who they think is the prince. Right. It's been made quite clear that Cenerentola is not going to go to the ball. Right. But... As everybody leaves, Alidoro, still disguised as the beggar, says to her, You shall go to the ball. I'm going to get you there. The scene changes, and we are at the palace of the prince. Right. And Dandini is showing Don Magnifico the wine cellars because Magnifico <laughs> is becoming the prince's sommelier, in essence. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, so he's he's very quickly in his cups. <laughs> that was a mistake to let him loose in the wine, in the wine cellar. So meanwhile, Clorinda and Tisbe have been throwing themselves at Dandini, thinking he's the prince. All the while, the real prince, disguised as the valet, are, are he's watching them, and he's just—I mean, quite clearly, these two are not for him. <laughs> They're not wifely <laughs> material. No. So it's around this time that all of a sudden, it's uh, it's announced that an unknown woman has arrived at the ball, and she appears, and she's in disguise. She's so she we're at the ball now. We're at the ball, right? But she's she's in disguise, and she's beautiful. I mean, absolutely ravishingly beautiful. But nobody knows who she is. We do, <laughs> right? It's it's chenarentula. <laughs> it's chenarentula who's been decked out by Alidoro
0: and has arrived at the ball. She does take off the mask, and people sort of half recognize her. Uh Uh-huh. They've got this vague sense of, God, I... I,
1: But Clarinda's not be.
0: No, it couldn't be. uh, It couldn't be. It couldn't be her. And the prince (laughs) has exactly the same reaction, because he thinks he recognizes her, having seen her as the servant Uh at... Don Magnifico's house. Right. So here we are, the end of Act 1. They're all at the ball, and Cenerentola is there as well. And there is this sort of mystery around her. Yes. Act 2. At this point, Clorinda and Tisbe are at each
1: other's throats. <laughs> because... Because they, only one of them will get the prince. Right. And they, they're, you know, shallow and selfish enough to want each want that to be themselves. Dandini however, who they believe to be the prince he's actually been completely taken by this this unknown woman whom we know to be Cinderella and he actually proposes to her but she very honestly says to him I can't marry you, I am in love with your valet, who is the actual prince (laughs) You got that? Yeah (laughs) (laughs) Which the prince, the actual prince, hears this, and realizes that this is the woman he's looking for. She's beautiful, ravishingly beautiful. He's already fallen in love, in love with her once, and now she's proven that she's substantial because she's she not loves concerned him. with social station. Yes, yeah, she loves him for who he is, not what he can do for her and or the you know what he can buy her.
0: Having had this revelation. That she is the sort of girl that he's looking for. He steps forth and says, but you know what? I'm really the prince. Yeah, yeah. She has her own test for him, though, doesn't she? She wants him to find out who she is, who she really is. And she has these two identical bracelets. And she gives him one. And she says, if you really care for me, you will find me. And I'll know it's you and you'll know it's me because of these bracelets. Right. It's Sort of like the glass slipper in the fairy tale. Exactly. Exactly right. So, of course, she leaves the ball, and the prince immediately calls his men together to start the search for this mysterious woman. So Don Magnifico then comes back in.
1: He's been out for all of this. And he comes back in, he, he approaches Dandini. He wants the wedding to happen, and he wants one of his daughters to marry Dandini, whom he still believes to be the prince. And Dandini asks him, well, if if I were to marry one of your daughters, what exactly would that entail? And Don Magnifico then goes, you know, comes up with this laundry list... (laughs) of all these extravagances that his daughters would require were they to marry the prince, at which point Danini says to him, well, guess what? I'm just a valet, and I wouldn't even marry one of your daughters if you paid me. <laughs> Oops. There's
0: ah, a deflating moment. The scene changes back to Manifico's house, Cenerentola, is back in her servant's garb, and her stepfather and her stepsisters return from the palace, and they are in a little bit of a bad mood. They're kind of giving her a bit of a stink eye, aren't they? Because she so resembles this beautiful stranger that disrupted all of their plans at the ball. Now we see Alidoro's sort of special powers because he sort of conjures up this storm outside. Right which sends the prince and Dandini to take refuge at Don Magnifico's house because they're out searching for Cinderella. They come into the house, and Magnifico tells Cinderella, get a chair for the prince. Right. She brings the chair, and the prince recognizes the bracelet she's wearing. Right. So all is revealed. La-di-la-di-da. And at the end, at the very end, rather than...
1: (laughs) do what we would so like her to do, which is completely renounce her her stepfather and her stepsisters. Cinderella forgives them.
0: Because they, when the prince recognizes the bracelet and declares his love for Cenerentola, Uh her stepfather and stepsisters are indignant and they sort of show themselves in the worst possible light. Oh, yeah. And that's when Cenerentola asks the prince... Don't punish them, disregard this, show some mercy.
1: Yeah. And she does so <laughs> in the great rondo finale, uh, it begins with the words naqui lafano and then it really it really starts to to perk up with the words "non mesta." She basically, Spends uh, the whole end of the opera is all her. It's it's a star turn. Well, and she's now a princess. She is a princess. She's, she's gotten married, and she she not only forgives them, but she embraces them as her family. I mean, she completely, wholeheartedly forgives them, and she ends with, oh my gosh, uh, an aria that is, uh, it's the coloratura mezzo's calling card. If they can, if they can master it. It is spectacular. And if you've ever had the chance to hear live one of the great Cenerentulas, be it Marilyn Horne or Frederica von Stad or Joyce Di Donato or Jennifer Larmore, it's the perfect way to end the show. It will send you out of the theater walking a couple inches off the ground. It's just
0: amazing. So what is it about La Cenerentula that makes it such a standout? The music.
1: It's the music, and it's uh, it's it's Rossini's ability to take music and craft it around uh, these wonderfully silly screwball comedies, which at their heart, though, still have great heart. You know, great characters. They're not just they're not two dimensional figures. They're they're actually characters that we we care for and can and can
0: love. And that's the great thing about a great comedy. It reveals great truths. Well said. Rossini's is La Cenerentola. That's this week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn.
1: And I'm Eric Skelly.
0: Thank you for listening.